Well, we celebrate serving around here because Jesus said, I didn't just come to be served, but I come to, to be a servant. The King of kings and the Lord of lords came and stepped off of his throne. And he came and he bowed at the feet of his enemies and he worshiped and he served and he washed their feet. And how you know because Jesus did that, how you know we were called to do the exact same thing? And so we celebrate serving over top of anything else that we do here. And so if you were a part of the growth track that happened a couple of weeks ago, I want you to come to the stage. I, I don't, I, I guess I could start calling your name, but if you know you were a part of that, start coming. Don, I know Mark and Glory are in Hawaii. I, I want to pray for them, but I don't feel bad for them. Amen. Um, I hope they at least feel one jellyfish. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just joking. I, I, I'm just hating because I wish I was in Hawaii too. Amen. Uh, okay, so if you guys were a part of that, come on, stretch across the middle, stretch across the middle. Or guys, just come on up here. That'd be even better. You guys can feel these lights with me. Amen. Amen. But listen, we have a thing called Growth Tracker Next Steps. If, if, oh, Paula. Paula, can you put that on there for me? It's the next step announcement there real quick. Um, we have a thing called Growth Track, which actually we're going to change the name, the, na- the, the name of it to Next Steps. And... Uh, um, because we want everybody to take the next step from just being an attender to a server. Okay, that's two people. Uh, I said again, we want everybody to take that step from attending to a serving. Amen? Because in the, Ellie, are you going to come up here, honey? Come on. I wore a matching shirt for you this morning. So you're going to come on up. Come on. Come on. Come on, baby. She told me I had to wear a peach shirt for me to match her this morning. So the fact that I'm wearing a peach shirt, she's coming up here. Amen? Thank you, honey. Thank you, honey. I know I'll feel that later. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This will be the last time you ever see me match my wife. Amen. I don't like that kind of stuff. But listen, we have seven serving teams around here. We have the worship team. Obviously, you see that every single week. We have our frontline members, and you see them. They do a wonderful job greeting you at the door, making you feel welcome. We have people that are in the parking lot that are part of the frontline team, and they do a wonderful amen. Give it up for the frontline team. Amen. And listen, we celebrate them because on the days that it's raining, how many do they keep you dry? On the days that it's snowing, they keep you from slipping and falling. And, and so we celebrate them. We have people that are in our nursery that are underneath our kids. We have people that take care of your children while they're crying and, and having to hear that, that you, you are getting the privilege of enjoying church. Amen? And we believe that every salvation happens for every single mother because someone was willing to celebrate them in nursery. Uh, we have our children's church workers, our kids' workers that do an awesome job of, of putting the word on kids' levels. We have student ministries, which we're developing. We have an outreach uh, team that through this team right here, through this group, we're able to develop and, and have you know that God has called us to outreach, not always in reach. Amen. Uh, we also have life groups, which Michael Thompson is a part of, and he's over top of, and we're going to be starting that here soon in June. Uh, we did a, a, a spring semester, and it went fantastic. We had three groups, and it went wonderfully, and we'll be talking more about that and getting you signed up for June. There are going to be a bunch of interest groups. Um, I want to say this. I'm purposely starting an interest group of exercising and walking to force myself to do it. Amen? Amen. So if you want to be a part of that group, yeah. I may need a co-partner to help me through that. Bill, don't look at the wall. Uh, uh, but listen, we're going to have a fantastic time with interest groups this year, and they're going to be wonderful this summer. But listen, I want to celebrate these people because they took the time on a Sunday afternoon to say we want more of God. For an hour and a half, amen? 
So, honey, if you could start handing those out. We have Bill Roberts, who's been a part of this church, but took the step to say, I want to be a part of One Life Church. We have David and Erica Babbitt, who are wonderful, incredible people. Me and David talk daily, it seems like. And uh, we have Don, who is a part, new part of our church, Don Casta, who's a wonderful part. You're going to see more of them. Uh, Tony and Jessica Stewart, who I've known for a long time, but took that step to say we want to part. And, and we have a few that are missing because we have just Sarah's, this is the better half of Justin who you see play guitar every week. This is Sarah Cavender. We also have Mark and Gloria uh, Thompson, and we have Kyle Thompson. And so we had 11 people go through that and say, we want more and more of the church. And I wanted to take the time just to celebrate them today. Amen? So can you guys put their hand, your hands together? Come on, can you just get on your feet and celebrate them this morning? This... Thank you, guys. Come on, you guys, can you put your hands together for them just one more time? Amen. You guys can go on off. And as you're standing there with me, if you can turn to Genesis chapter 37. Take this with you, baby, if you don't mind. Genesis chapter 37. If you could just stand with me just for a few more minutes. Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Uh, It's going to be verse 8 or verse 9. Yeah, Genesis chapter 37, verse 9. Uh, we have an off week for a few weeks from getting out of a ser- series. And for the next few weeks in between Mother's Day, I want to talk about some core values that is very important to the future of this church. We have several different things that are the core values that you see in the windows or the three E's of our vision, which are experiencing God, equipping believers, which you see a part of there with the growth track. And we also have ones that are engaging the culture, right? Uh, those are our three E's. They're experience and equipping and engaging. But I want to talk about some things that are beyond just the structural foundation of things, but they've got to be a part of the spiritual nature of a church. Amen? And, and today I want to talk about praise. I want to talk about a dreamer's praise. Because having a one life, we're going to keep dreaming. And as long as I pastor this church, you've got a dreamer that always stands in this pulpit. And no matter what we see, God's going to always give us dreams to see more and more and more and more until we reach all of this region. And when we reach this region, we'll reach another region. Amen? So we're going to talk about a dreamer's praise. Amen? So Genesis chapter 37, verse 9. Are we all there? And he says, and he dreamed yet another dream. Could stay there right there. He dreamed yet another dream, and he told his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made something to me. I don't know. I need somebody in college to say that one for me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. And his brethren went to feed their father's flocks in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the the flock in Shechem, and come, and I will send thee unto him. And he said to him, Here am I. 
And he said to him, Go and I pray thee, see whether it will be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. And he sent to him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brother, and tell me, I pray thee, where, thy, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, and I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before, they, before near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now therefore and let us slay him and let us cast him into the pit and we will say come evil beast hath devoured him and we shall say what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it and he delivered him out of their hands and said let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them shed not blood but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he may rid him out of their, out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they may strip Joseph out of his coat and his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and they cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and the balm and the myrrh, and going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto the brethren, What profit is if, if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? And come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh and our brethren, which we are content. I want to read verse 28. Then they were passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph in to Ishmael, Egypt. I want to preach a little bit today called the praiser's dream or a praise that will work for you. Look at somebody beside you and say, there is a praise that will work for you. Someone say it to the other neighbor behind you. Say, there is a praise that will work for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for the atmosphere of worship. Father, I thank you, God, for praise that's already went up. God, I thank you, God, in advance, God, that there's someone in this place that needs to be saved this morning. Father, I think in advance that, God, they're going to give their life to you. God, there's someone in this place, God, that needs a healing touch from you. And, God, I believe that, God, they're only one touch away from being healed this morning. Father, I thank you, God, in advance, God, that there is someone in here that needs to be set free and delivered. And, God, they are one step away from deliverance. And we give you praise for that deliverance right now. God, I thank you, God, that there's a radical bunch of believers and praisers that's in the house this morning. And, Father, God, I give you a praise because, God, one life will always be known as a group of dreaming praisers, God. And, Father, God, we give you praise and we give you glory. Father, in Jesus' name, I dare someone to shout hallelujah. hallelujah you may be seated 
Hallelujah. If you don't notice, I feel just a little bit like preaching this morning. I heard one say that all men dream, but not equally. For those that dream by night in the dusty recesses of their mind wake in the day to find that it was vanity. But it was the dreamers of the day that are dangerous men. I'm going to say that again because somebody didn't catch that. I said it's the dreamers of the day that are the dangerous men. For they may act on their dreams and with open eyes to make them possible. I don't know about you, I've always been a dreamer. Yeah, even to the point where even in school I couldn't hardly pay attention because I was always daydreaming. Yeah, I was always that person in class that I was daydreaming of something besides the natural of what I was dealing with. I didn't particularly want to be in English class. I dealt with it. I passed. I got on the honor roll, moved it on. But I particularly knew that life was not going to end at high school. I knew that then that the life was not going to end in college, but I knew there was going to come a day that my dreams were going to come to pass. My dreams are going to come to pass, and I remember being 14, 15, 16 years old, dreaming of days like today. I want to let you know that sometimes you will dream a thing, and it will take you a decade, two decades, a lifetime to accomplish the dreams that God placed inside of you. True dreams have got to be bigger than even you. They've got to be bigger than what you can accomplish. But I dare you to dream of something so big that you know that it's going to take God himself to accomplish the very thing that he's going to put inside of you. I dare you to dream something so large that it will take him and his hand to move heaven and earth and all hell to put your dreams from the, from the supernatural to the natural, from your mind into the manifest power of what you become tangible, the thing that was un, untangible, intangible, to where it becomes tangible. With dreaming, there will be more days of wanting to give up than the thing that you can touch in your hands. You see here that, dream, that Joseph was a dreamer from a very young age. And he went through hell and high water for the dream to come to pass. Because how many know that there is a process with the dream? I said there is a process with the dream. You don't get things by them being handed to you. But when you work for it and God puts you through the process, he is developing a character that will withstand everything that the gates of hell will throw against you that your character will not fail. But your character will rise up and say, I have worked hard for this thing and by no way will, devil, will the devil take this thing away from me. My failures won't take this away from me. My mistakes won't take this away from me. But God has developed me in the process so that I can withstand even my own mind, withstand even my own wiles, withstand even my own devices, withstand even my own failures so that nothing can take away the very thing that God has given to me. And you see that Joseph went through many years. It said that he took almost 20 to 30 years to capture the very thing that God had placed in him with childhood. And you have to understand is that when he began to tell other people about his dreams, particularly his brothers, they hated him for 
his dreams. They hated him. Listen to me. Along the way, there will be less people celebrating you than the people that are for the people, for the dreams that are inside of you. I don't want to give you a motivational speech. I don't want to give you seven ways to a turnaround. I don't want you to throw salt over your shoulder and make it happen. I don't want you to have to place a seed in the offering to make it happen. But I want to let you know you will have to persevere for a dream to happen. Yeah, you will have to fight for your dream to happen. You will have to withstand some hell for that thing to come to pass. My good God, I feel like preaching inside. Listen, you will have to withstand some devils, and some of those devils will be your family members. Some of those devils will be the very ones that you called a friend, that you called a Judas, that will turn their back on you. But I want to let you know the God that placed the dream inside of you, it will still come to pass. That his word will not return into him void, but it will accomplish the very thing. And your mama can't stop it. Your daddy can't stop it. Your cousin Ray can't stop it. Your uncle Bobby can't stop it. But I'm going to tell you that no matter how many haters you have that when you learn a praise that inside of you it will overcome until the dream begins to happen oh my good god we begin to see here that even the ones that were the closest to and hated him the very one because i want to let you know that everybody is not meant to go to your dream everybody is not meant have you ever seen some of these athletes that come from uh, low-income families, regardless of that being the white ghetto or the black ghetto, because how many know there are both? Okay, obviously you ain't been around. There's a white ghetto and there is a black ghetto. And so no matter what they came out of, that when they finally get to that place that uh, abundance begins to happen in their life, they try to take everybody to their new place and new destination. Yeah, they take their cousin and they take their cousin Skeeter and their Uncle Bobby and their, and, and their mama and all this stuff. And it's not them or their talent that ruins everything, but it's everybody that they took with them begins to ruin. Ruin the dream that they had down inside of you. And you fight for everybody to come because you don't want to hurt people's feelings along the way. But it's those same ones that you're trying to drag into your dream are going to be the very one that steal the dream and try to kill it away from you. You've got to accept the fact that everybody's not going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane with you, Jesus. That you've got to accept the fact that everybody's not going to stay outside and pray with you. But sometimes you've got to dream alone. My good God. You've got to dream alone. You Listen, I don't know where you're at in life. And you may feel like you're as far away from the dream that's inside of you as possible. But God has you alone for a reason. Because he wants you to dream alone with him. He wants you to get in the presence of the Almighty and say, God, speak to me in the quiet place. God, speak to me. And God, re-dream a dream down deep inside, inside of me. We begin to see here that it wasn't just his brothers, but you begin to see his father. His father, who at times was called Jacob, his, at times was called Israel. I want to teach this for a minute because I saw some stuff in it I'd never seen before until I was studying, restudying last night for this message. And I begin to see here that his father in the passage of Genesis chapter 37, his name was Israel. What's significant about the name of Israel was that originally that we, uh, if you know anything about the, the, the Judeo-Christian faith, that we, the 
forefathers of the faith was called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham was the father of faith. His son was named Isaac, and his son was known, named Jacob. Jacob means trickster in Hebrew. It means that he fought his way for everything he had. Even from the point of birth, he reached out of his mother's womb, tried to grab the four first breath blessing, and he fought his whole life for this blessing. He fought everything in the natural until he met God, my good God. Are there some people out here that's fought life but never fought God? I, I don't know about you that if you are still one of those people that are sitting on the outskirts and everything in life is fighting against you, God said, come fight me for a little while and I'll change you around. And, and so we hear this Jacob that he wrestled with God until the point where God broke him and he said, I'm going to rename you and bless you and call you Israel. And so from that moment forth, he recalled his name. He was no longer the old man, but he was yet the new man. He was the new man who was called no longer Jacob, but was called Israel. But what's ironic about this, that when you begin to see this that in the word of God, that here in Genesis chapter 37, you begin to see that he is called Israel for the most part, but there is a few verses where his name reverses and is called Jacob. You begin to see it even in, in Genesis chapter 49, that even at the point of his death, when he was going to bless his 12 sons, he said, bring my sons to me who are the sons of Jacob. But he said, don't just call yourselves the sons of Jacob, but let the words of Israel bless you, my good God. See, you've got to find a father. Uh, let, me, let me go with two different directions with this. Because as a son that's a dreamer, listen, you may have a father that is constricted with being Jacob and with Israel. I know that doesn't make any sense a whole lot, but let me give it to you. Listen, you got to find a father that, yes, they may be constricted with a Jacob inside of them, but they speak out of the nature of being in Israel. Because I want to tell you that as the spiritual father of this house, there might be times where you struggle and you see rich speak to you as rich in the natural. But there are times where you've got to let the Israel Speak out of me and prophesy over your future. See, if you come to me and say, hey, Rich, pray for me. Hey, Rich, I'm just giving you an example here. Hey, Rich, I, I, wanna, I want you to pray for my family. I want you to join together. What you have called out of me is my old Jacob. You've said, hey, Rich, hey, Jacob, pray for me. But when you come to me in the context of saying, hey, pastor, it's not about a title, but what happens is you are calling the Israel out of me. You are calling the gifting out of me. You're calling my calling out of me. You're calling my anointing out of me. And you're saying, Israel, bless my family. Bless those that bless me. Come on now. You've got to find the difference in the Jacob and the Israel. And you've got to be real careful of what kind of father you are, or that you are running after because if you run after the Jacob of someone long enough yes you might have fun with them on fishing trips you might have great kayaking trips you may play paintball with them but they will forever just be Jacob in your life but when you get with them in the Israel and say I need the supernatural part of you it is the Israel that speaks over your life because there is a difference 
So many times in churches and spiritual connotations, we don't understand the difference between the Jacob and the Israel and the natural. But you've got to find an Israel that says, I have killed off Jacob. I have put that joker to death. He is no longer in my life because I am telling you, there is an old rich you don't want a part of, but there is a new rich that stands before you that God has called and God has declared and he has put as a set man to speak over your life. Okay, let me go a step farther than this because you have to understand that there is a step with this that we all, we all wrestle with the Jacob and the Israel within us. That when God calls you and he saves you, you are no longer Jacob, but yet you are Israel. You have been wrestling with life. You have been wrestling with finances. You have been wrestling with addictions. You have been wrestling with divorce. You have been wrestling with dysfunction. And you have been wrestling with Jacob your whole entire life. And you are so fed up with Jacob to where you are fed up to the, even to the point where you don't even want to look in the mirror because you hate yourself that much. But I want to let you know there is an Israel inside of you that God is calling and wrestling and he is calling forth. But because we are saved in the human nature, and I'm saying this because we have a lot of people in here that have been saved just for a very short while. And, and even some ones that are even in older in faith that we still struggle with our human nature. We still struggle with our flesh nature. So we don't know who's speaking. Is it Jacob speaking? Is it Israel speaking? Is it me or is it him? Is it my new man or is it all my old man? Why why do I want to do good, but evil is always present? Why do I want to do right, but I always seem to do wrong? It's because Jacob is fighting to declare himself back out of you. Ah, and you've got to know the difference. You've got to know the difference. The, listen, you may have got saved just a month ago, and the Israel nature of you is trying to speak through your spirit. But you've got to call down the Jacob and say, no, 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 you don't exist any longer. I've got to remind you, you died in that baptism pool. You died at the altar. You can't come along with me any longer. Uh, let me give you just a little bit farther. This is nowhere in my notes. But listen, we are all made up of three-part, we are a three-part creature. We are a three-part creature. I know some of y'all saying, yeah, yeah, I, I feel tripolar a lot of times. Yeah. I'm talking about you ain't even bipolar. You went a step farther. Y'all tripolar. Try. I mean, just straight up polar. Just polar. Don't know. You ever, you ever have those people at your job? They saved, but you don't know who you're talking to half the time. I mean, I'm going to you to talk to the saved folk, but you're talking to me negative and cussing. I don't even know who you are. Come on now. Let's all be real. Don't get tight. We all want to flip off a few people in traffic every now and then. I'm not telling you to do. I'm just saying you feel like it sometimes. Y'all be real. Don't be getting all uptight and saved and sanctified up in here. I see a few people wearing prints in here, purple, just for Prince uh, Memorial in here today. Y'all ain't that saved. Listen, let's talk. And so there's a three-part being within you. There's your flesh, there's your soul, and there's your spirit. Your, your flesh will always never be saved. Your flesh will always fight everything that, God, that is contrary to God. Okay, but your soul, a lot of times we, we, we contradict that and we say, well, that's my spirit. No, 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 that's not your spirit, that's your mind. Your soul is your mind. There's a, and listen, I want to give you a really good teaching on this. It's called Mind Wars or Mind World by Ron Carpenter. It's the last series that he did. It's fantastic. Go, go, he can teach it much better than me. Go get it. It's great. It'll bless your life. It's on podcasts all free. 
But there is your flesh, there is your mind, and then there's your spirit. And your spirit is dead until you are quickened and you are brought back to life through salvation. And so what happens is because your, your spirit becomes alive in you, now there's this contracting nature within you where you want to do good, but yet your flesh still says no. Your flesh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're saying you don't want the Big Mac, but your flesh says yes. You're saying you don't want the Krispy Kreme, but your body says the hot light yeah, I don't know what Drake's last song was, but he said the hot hotline bling sign was on. And, and, and all I know was that red sign called me. Called me to the hot sign. And he said, come get my little hot, fresh Krispy Kreme. But the devil on my shoulder saying, it's all good. Go get it. Then the angels on my side are saying, no, no, no. Come back, come back, come back. Turn around, turn around. And I'm using that as a funny because, listen, maybe it's not Krispy Kreme, but maybe it's the girl that's calling you in the middle of the night. Maybe it's the guy that's texting you in the middle of the night that's calling you, come over. You've told him we're done, but yet you keep on saying, I'm going back, I'm going back. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's not that angel, but maybe it's the anger nature where you know you declared to God, God, I'm going to have a meek spirit. I'm going to have a calm spirit. I'm going to have a good attitude. But then someone cuts you off in line and all of a sudden the anger rises up inside of you and you say, Jacob, have him out. I mean, I spoke to Jacob and said, Jacob, go get him. Go get him. Go get that fool. They deserve it. And so your mind is fighting with your spirit. And, and, and the reality is I don't know if you, if you've ever gotten a fight, but it's unfair to fight two people at one time. And, and the reality is, if you fight two people at one time, unless you're Kung Fu Bruce Lee, you ain't going to make it. You're going to get taken down. And so no matter how much, if your soul is not working on the things of God, your soul will always link up with your flesh, and your flesh will go say, take over the spirit. But when you begin to renew your mind with the renewing of the transform of the renewing of the word of God, where you say, I want the things of God. I'm going to put the word of God things in my mind. I'm going to study. I'm going to pray. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to come to connect groups. I'm going to go to growth track. I'm going to serve. I'm going to change the people around me because I'm tired of my flesh telling me what to do. And Jacob, you are dead. Okay. None of that's in my notes. I took way too much time. That was all free. Listen, you've got to find a father that Israel says, listen, I know your brothers hate you. I know there's strife, but I'm going to send you in your presence. And he said to them, I know they're down there feeding their flock. He said to them, he said, Joseph, go down in Shechem and help them feed their flocks. Two sides of this. Meaning your dream won't come to pass without strife. It won't come to pass without a war. Because I want to let you know the enemy is not going to give you the dream inside of you without a fight. And God will allow you to go through strifeful situations to see what's really in you. Because what? how did Joseph answer? He said, Father, here I am. Am see he didn't say but bro he he didn't say my brothers hate me and daddy you know that he didn't answer him with back talking he didn't answer him with a no but he said here am I can I let you know something you may not be in your dream and you may hate the very place that you're at but God has placed you for such a time as this because he is developing something inside of you in a bad situation to turn it around for your good. 
Number two, you've got to learn to feed someone else's flock before he gives you your own. You've got to learn to feed someone else's flock. Could you imagine Joseph saying, Daddy, but I got my own dreams. In my dreams, I said these people were going to be bowing down to me, but the ones that are going to be bowing down to me are the ones I got to go feed. He said, yeah, yeah, go feed the very ones that are going to be bowing down to you one day, my good God. He said the very ones that are taking everything away from you, he said, go down and feed them. I want to let you know, dreamer, before you can have your own flock, before you can have your own dream, you've got to serve in someone else's dream first. You've got to have your own dream and saying, God, I'm believing for it. But as I'm working in someone else's dream, God, I'm not just working their dream, but I'm working my dream that's about to come to pass. Because the Bible says if I'm faithful over a small thing, he said he'll make me ruler over many things. See, the best key that you can do is have obedience until your dream comes to pass. These may not be my people. This may not be my life group. This may not be my serving team. But because my serving team leader said, ask me to do it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Here am I. I'm ready to do your will. I'm ready to do your service. Uh, so we begin to see here that he goes down and all, there's all these things begin to happen. They conspire against him. They hate it on him. And finally, they threw him in the pit. I want to let you know that you're going to be in some pitful situations. You're going to be in some pitful situations that, and it says in it, there was no water. And the water in the Word of God is always symbolized as the Holy Spirit. There will be times in your life in the dream where God said, I will even make it feel like I am removed from you. (laughs) And it will feel like nothing is happening. But can I tell you something? It's when nothing feels like it's happening, God is at work. God said to Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's wheel. And watch his hands, because as you watch his hands, you'll understand me. And he said there, he said, God, I don't see anything happening. He said, Jeremiah, you're missing the whole point. Because at what you're not seeing is that my hands are always at work. And I want to let you know that the potter is always working on your life. Even when you don't see it, even when it don't make any sense, you've got to still be faithful and obedient in those times in the wilderness, in the pits where you say, God, I don't feel you. I don't sense you. I don't feel the goosebumps on my neck. Everybody's hating me. I'm all alone. But God, it is in this moment, good God, that God, I know that you are still working this thing for my good. God, I don't see it. I can't sense it. God, I don't even see anybody coming to me. But I'm letting you know that someone is on their way. Someone, God is in weaving your dream into somebody else's dream and he's going to connect the two paths I, I, this isn't in my, in, my, in my notes at all but I want to give this to you because I've never got to share this with you but I don't know if you remember on November 1st at 3 o'clock Bishop declared on this stage our very first opening day that he said 15 years ago 15 years ago man I'm so off my notes today 15 years ago in a summer coming from a revival He said he was driving through the revival and coming back from the north. And as he got close to these lights, he said off in a distance, he began to see the lights of the city and in the region. And God spoke to him, and he said to him, one day I will give you, if you are faithful to me, I will give you this region. He did not see it for 15 years later. 15 years. 
it finally come to pass. What's amazing, in the, and I did not realize it until the very day I was sitting right there, and as I began to hear him speak, I kept asking myself, what does 15 years mean to me? What is it that means to me? I don't, God showed me what 15 years ago was. 15 years ago, in the very summer, in the same month, because we talked later, in the same month, I was in, in the middle of the night, was being raped by my cousin. In the same month, 15 years ago. So as God was speaking promise to the very one that this would come through, on the other side of it all, my life felt like it was being destroyed in the very same moment. Because God knew that it would take a rich meeting with a Bishop Brian, and we would connect, and one day our spirits would connect, and we would run in motion like Moses and Joshua, like Paul and Timothy. And as he was speaking promise over here, he was trying to destroy the very one that it would come through. And while my life felt like it was over and in ruins, God was just starting a process. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I said God was starting a process when I was in a pit when I was being thrown into a pit and left for dead, God said, I am working a process, my good God, that while the promise is being spoken over here, I'm going to let you meet in the middle right here. Okay. As we're in this pit, and this goes back to where I want to go, is that while we're in this pit, Reuben begins to say, let's pull him out of this pit. He said, because there are Ishmaelites that are coming, Ishmaelites that are coming. And this is going to my point of where I was at. Because the Ishmaelites, and you may not understand who they are, but as the, the fatherhood of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it is the Ishmaelites that are coming. So the great-grandfather of Joseph, his father was Israel, his grandfather was Isaac. Just bear with me, I'm going somewhere. His great-grandfather was Abraham. He was spoken a promise and said, I will make you the father of many nations. He said there, but he said, I don't see it come to pass. Sarah laughed, his wife. He said, I don't see it come to pass. We're 99 years old. It ain't going to come to pass. So they took it upon themselves, and Sarah said, here is Hagar. Go lay down with Hagar and go have a baby. So they had a baby named Ishmael. So here, Ishmael was born, but yet it was a mistake. It was not right. And when, when... Isaac was born, God said to him, go get rid of Ishmael. He is a mistake. He is a curse. So he sent him out to the desert. So here they were in the desert, and Ishmael, Ishmael turns into the Ishmaelites. All these years later, the dreamer's laying in a pit. But here comes the mistake, the Ishmaelites coming down the path. Here comes the mistake, seeing the dreamer laying in the pit. And as the mistake is coming his way, it is the past mistakes of his fatherhood that came and pulled him out of the pit. I want to let you know that God is going to take your past mistakes that you feel like God could never do, and he is going to use them for your good. The thing I like about Jesus was is Jesus, Jesus came into the crippled man. He was lowered, lowered down from the roof, and here he was crippled, and he said, 
He said, get up and walk. But right before he said, get up and walk, he said, take up your mat. He said, the very thing that carried you in here, the very mistake you were laying on, the very depression that carried you in, the very failure that carried you in, the very rejection that carried you in, and has been carrying you your whole life. He said, now pick it up and carry it. I want to let you know, your Ishmaelites will turn around for your good. We see in verse 28, he said, it is the Ishmaelites, it is the past mistakes that carried him into Egypt and carried him into his dream. High five a couple of people around you and say, he will work out your mistakes. He will work out your mistakes. My good God. I want to end with this because there was one guy. Somebody say one guy. There was one brother that said, we can't let him die in the pit. But it was one brother that specifically spoke up. And he said, let's not kill him, but let's get him out. And it was, his name was Judah. Judah, the brother Judah, said, let's get him out of the pit. And what's so significant about that is in the Hebrew, the word Judah means praise. Praise will always take you out of every pit that you're in. No matter what wilderness you're in, praise will take over and will take you out of the pit. I don't care what depression depression you're in, praise will take you out of depression. I don't care what oppression you're in, praise will take you out. I don't care what abuse you've been through, praise will take you out. Praise will take you from being stuck to putting your feet back in motion. My good God. David, come and play me out of this thing. Come on. Come on, Robert. Come on. Come on, y'all. Praise will take you where you need to go. I don't know about you. There are times in my life where I feel down and I feel bad and I'm, walking, I'm going through traffic and everything's bad and tears are coming down my face. But there is something that rises up in me. And sometimes I don't know the word, but I'll just say the name Jesus. And sometimes that ain't just enough, but I'll begin to say hallelujah. And I'll begin to say hallelujah, hallelujah. And to where all of a sudden the very thing that was carrying me, now I begin to carry it. Because praise begin to come out of my mouth. And I want to let you know one life, that no matter what we're going through, we've got to have a group of praisers that says we will praise our way through this thing. We can't have a silent praiser. But we gotta have a vocal praiser. We gotta have an emotional praiser that says, I will open up my mouth and give God praise. I dare you just for a just for trying it out. I dare you to go ahead and praise him right there. Come on. Oh, you must not heard what I said. I said praise will take you out. Come on, stop panicking God.
mattered that take me off the stage. But I want to let you know, Joseph, God's going to work your mistakes for you. And if that's you, while the others are praising, you slip your way up here. Just not even seen, but I want you to say, God, I need your help. I don't know where to start, but God, I know that I got to start right here. So as we go back and praise, come on, you guys slide over here. You guys just begin to lift up your voice, begin to praise him. And if that's you, I want you to slide your way in. Come on. Come on, Rob, let's go back up.
one saying, I got too much stuff to go right now. I got too much stuff. I can't get saved yet. Listen, God will let you start wherever you're at. God will let you start wherever. God called you here today for such a time as this. And he didn't let you get enough breath in your body to get here today to say, I can't go. But I want to let you know if that's you, you ain't got to figure it all out. All you got to do is say, God, I want more of you. I want more of you. And God will begin to work it all out. So if that's you, I want you to come to this altar. And I want you to say, God, I need a starting point. I need a starting point. I don't want to be Jacob any longer, but God, I want to be an Israel. That's you. I want you to come. Listen, and we're going to sing some more. And I'm going to give you one more chance. Come on. Come on, Rob. Let's go. Come on. Throw your hands up. I dare you just begin to
every plot of the enemy, I call it destroyed in the name of Jesus. Church, we have got to be a church on fire. We have got to be a church that praises. Because if we ain't excited about God, how in the world are we going to expect someone in the world to understand why we're excited? But we got to have a group of people that has a yes in their spirit, a yes for the word, a yes for worship, a yes for praise, and that says no matter what's going on in my life, God is still worthy to be praised. Listen, pray. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for my sister that gave her life to you. Father, I declare good things in her future, godly things in her God, I declare a woman, a woman of Abraham, a daughter of Abraham. Father, I declare, Father, I thank you for the souls that are being one. God, I declare every service we have, God, we will see souls one in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for today. I give you praise. God, you're raising up an army for this region. Father, I give you praise and I worship you. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen.